Caution. Learning in progress. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Every Season, the precision planning podcast brought to you by the Product Support Department. My name is Paul Harms. I am in the studio with Nolan Kitterman, Tyler Hubert, and Hans Stutzman. Today we're going to be wrapping up our planner maintenance series, and we're going to go and do the last portion. This should wrap up our eight of eight sessions on planner maintenance. Today we're going to cover fertility and pesticide systems. I want to step back, and part of this is going to be review, and we've always focused on the on the why. So that was our main tackle for planner maintenance. The why behind why you do maintenance on your fertility systems and your insecticide systems is pretty straightforward. I'm pretty sure every farmer, every agronomist out there has gotten to the end of the first pass and around, figured out that they're two by two. That tank ran dry. I'm not going to make the full pass back. So we'll just go ahead and shut that system off and I'll have my, my, my check strip, you know, quote unquote check strip as, as for this field. And I can, and I can run my yield evaluation. So, the, the why behind or the, the agronomic value is fairly well established on most of the fertility systems and the pesticide systems. What we do want to do is tie that into a couple of the other systems and how we look at it. Hans, you phrased, I think in our very first session on planter maintenance, you phrased something with planter maintenance. Yeah. So the way I phrase it, the way I think of planter maintenance is planter maintenance, if not done correctly, you don't want a planter maintenance issue to defeat the technology and the operation of the planter that's already on there. You don't want the maintenance aspect to defeat the rest of the system. That's an excellent way of looking at it. Of We're trying to pre-prepare. Okay, we're, we're defending yes. the system that's out there. The so system we have built, the system we've planted, the, the plan for the year. We're defending that by doing the planter maintenance. Yep, and we've moved or we've invested dollars in our fertility or our pesticide system to either feed or safeguard a crop to a certain level of value, and we need the physical components on the planter to be in a good state of health for those systems to operate correctly. Yep. That's the straightforward why on all fertility and pesticide. The other reason why we kind of are lumping those two very large approaches on a planter Together, there's two reasons why we kind of chose to lump them together. One, the first and foremost job or core functionality of that planter is to plant seeds. No other implement does what it does. There are other side dress and sprayer rigs that can do the other purposes here, the fertility application, the pesticide application, but nothing else can do that planting. That's its job. The other reason is all fertility and pesticide systems mimic our seeding system. There are similarities, very strong similarities in principles of maintenance between your insecticide or pesticide system and what your seeding system is. We just change a few of the components around of what actually, or basically change the names of what actually is being used. So that's that's how we're going to approach these two systems, fertility systems and pesticide systems and the maintenance. We're going to talk about them like they're, or how they're similar or dissimilar from, from seeding. So let's start in through that list of, first, how are they similar? Br- br- group it up, bracket it for me, Tyler, Hans. How are they so similar to the seeding and, and delivery and downforce systems that we've already covered? 
they're going to be driven relatively the same. If you think the drive type is going to be somewhat similar in drive type, and you're still dealing with a meter system as far as that point goes. So the the accurate of measuring and, apl- and outputting product is still very similar. We change the meter types around, but they're still very relatively similar in, in context. Okay, I pulled three things out of there. One, well, I'll start in the middle, my metering device, some item that, or device that's going to select the rate or the volume of product that's going to be put out. I have something that's going to drive that metering device, yep. and then I have the application from that device to the ground. Correct. So those are the three areas that we would kind of that we've parsed the planter apart to already. Yep, those are kind of the three areas we talked about them in the in the seating aspect of our drive tip, which are drive meters or the chains or the hydraulic system of it. And the meter in this case is re- actually related to your pump. In this case, so that's what provides the product, disperses the product, is the pump, which is similar to the seed meter. As far as your application piece, seed tube correlates to either liquid tube or CCS line or seed box or something along those lines. Okay. Since we've covered to a degree some of the some of these already, let's just recap. Well, let's start with my drive line. I've got three op- options or, or common means of driving. I've got ground drive or mechanical drive, yep. hydraulic driven, and then electrically driven. Okay. Ground drive systems, what are the maintenance things? What are the causes or concerns that are kind of unique to the fertilizer and pesticide systems? Or even if they're very similar to our seeding system, what are we what are we looking for there just as call outs? Yeah, I mean, I think on the ground drive side of things, a uh, similar conversation to a ground driven seeding system, right? Where I'm looking to make sure that there's a proper PSI that's on that drive tire, correct? Uh, I'm looking to make sure that it's it's well maintained or that the the tread on that tire is still good. So, I mean, from an obvious standpoint, that is what is propelling product, right? That's what's driving the pump. And so from an obvious standpoint, I want that to be fully healthy or, or nothing to get in the way or slow down being able to do that or being able to output product. I think the second piece of that then is when we talk about seating was the drive chains and bearings that go from that drive wheel all the way up to either the meter or the the pump itself at that point, but that's all the part of the drive system that goes with it. So you're still thinking through chains, you're still th- you're thinking through bearings. Any chatter that's getting inputted into there is going to go to the pump, which starts to create downstream effects the same way a seating system is. So I know I made the analogy in the metering or, or made the realization in the metering side where every meter on the market is a rotary device. It's a circle. It's We're spinning something, finger set, discs. Do pumps all behave the same way? Is it always rotary motion that we're turning into some corner, some form of metered? Because that's the, the original measurement and turn that we have from the ground tire, from the ground contact, or from a hydraulic motor. That's a rotational spin, and that rotational spin needs to be carried through to my metering device uniformly, cleanly, consistently. That's what I'm trying to do is make a smooth rotation and keep it consistent from start to end across the entire implement. If I do that, anything that, that causes that to lurch or drag or have resistance is going to cause the problems. Are all of my liquid metering types the same? I mean, you think you do all the different kind of pumps that they are, they're all driven rotary by a rotary system through a shaft of some port, but there are very, there are some differences we can relate to a piston pump versus a centrifugal pump. If you think in the context of those, but the same principle, if you're dragging something in a, in a drive system, that's going to create a delay in the pump or chatter in the even a piston pump, which is a cylindrical or cylinder that's that's ramming back and forth, but it's still being driven by a, a chain or driven. So we still need that delivery to the metering or the pump to be smooth and consistent. Yes. yes. Even though some of our pumps 
aren't going to carry that in a rotary fashion, like a piston pump you mentioned, that's actually going to introduce variability into the to the liquid system downstream. Correct. Okay. So from the pump, oh wait, I don't want to get ahead of myself. No, you're still, you, you missed a piece there. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. So well, you, you got to deal with the pump itself. What are the, the the factors that are addressing the pump? What are the maintenance items that relate a pump to a meter? We talked about meters as far as the, the things within a meter that can cause issues. What specifically maintenance should be looking for within a pump, and how does that correlate between the two of them? My mind immediately goes to the seals and just bearings on the pump itself. Is there anything else I should be looking at? So when I first think about it, you're right with the seals in that aspect of it. You got diaphragms. A diaphragm pump's going to have a whole bunch of seals to go with it. But any excessive wear within that bear, within the, the pump itself can cause issues. But I think the other thing is to make sure that bypass and plumbing fixtures into the pump, which is kind of leading us to the next piece of that as well. But Tyler, any other comments on the pump wear or maintenance items? I think you guys hit on some really good ones. I think in some way, shape, or form, every pump also needs, maybe not every pump, but they need some form of lubrication. So there are a lot of spots where I, I believe there are different like grease cirques or spots that you actually apply lubrication to a pump to keep things churning and moving. So I, I think it's just another step in the maintenance process to, to, to not forget about those. You wouldn't want anything like that locking up on you in season. Same thing on the, on the dry. Say, think of an insecticide application that's usually driven on the same metering system as our seed. If it's a, if it's a ground driven system, that's usually driven off the same thing. So we want those meters to turn uniformly and evenly and not create chatter back into my drive system by having too much resistance that then could impact my seeding system. Thanks for bringing us back to insecticide systems or dry systems because we were getting down the path of all liquid systems. Okay. So nice catch, good catch there. <laughs> um, so one thing on that note, though, when you talk about that, when you brought back dry systems, it's the same concept that we talked about as far as smoothness to the meters. With a dry meter, though, you've got several things to watch out for because those are generally a fluted meter. There's a there's a pocket or, or uh, a cell, more or less, of some nature that you're carrying on those. Make sure that those don't have chips in them, that they're not getting bound up, that there's not anything getting packed inside those meters from having sat over winter. That's one thing we've seen a lot of is somebody gets mice, mice or something else gets down in there and packs them full of dirt. Makes a nice tight nest uh, to sleep in in over winter. Yeah, they're nice and cozy in there. So just I mean, when you pull that meter out and you're trying to make sure that system's going to be running functionally, you're going to be looking for anything like that that's packed in there or any damage to those meters. Okay. And on the insecticide, all of those are rotational. Is there any on the market that are, that are plunger style? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. All right. So, yeah, it's all about, so far we're talking about building and creating that rotation, that spin, that mechanical rotation, and then carrying that to all the metering devices, whether they be granular or dry or insecticide, or at the at the large hydraulic pump, hydraulic motor that's spinning, spinning a pump or a, a metering device. We want that delivery to those devices to be smooth, consistent, and accurate. Now we've gotten to maybe through the pump. Now we're talking about what maintenance and service items we need to make sure of or think about downstream of our pump. So you're essentially talking about in, in metering, we called this the C-tube. This was the exit from C-tube to the application point at the bottom of the trench, which includes C-tube wear, C-tube guards. Um, fur, I mean, then you also, your furrow has been created by this point, but this is where you're getting to. So with a liquid system, you're thinking through your liquid hosing from your pump out to your distribution manifold or whatever system that you're spreading from there. Any filters that you would have post-pump, um, that's actually something, and also on the pre 
in the input side of the pump is also any filters you've got coming from the tank into the system. Kind of that whole process all the way down to the application point. And those are kind of where you're looking at it. And that also would include any orifice plates or manifolds or check valves, lot of check valves yeah. bypass valves, um, liquid clutches, if you've got those on there. All of that's kind of getting tied into that that concept there. Cool. So it's safeguarding the the piece from the actual placement in the ground, whether that's behind uh, the row unit itself, the closing wheels, maybe it's a coulter up front. All of those points need to be validated and verified before we begin so that they're running, rolling smoothly, and not interrupting my application point. And then you listed off all the items like on a liquid system that's necessary to ensure that there's no blockage or caught. And I think you... you Key point was your, we talked about, we spent a whole session on disc openers, gauge wheel depths, parallel alarms, row cleaners. That same conversation applies to your nitrogen application point. So if you're running two by two coulters or you're running a concealed knife or if you're running furrow jet, you're running any of those systems, whatever that product is, that's applying product into the ground, the maintenance that you do to a normal disc opener, you should also do to those application points. The only other thing I can think of then would be pulling a planter back out that has been properly overwintered or winterized for a liquid product. Uh, Yeah, I can't think of much on the granular side, but specifically on the liquid side, I've done some form of winterizing. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about pulling it back out from that winterized state to a field-ready state. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that there's basically like a flushing so I, I can speak on, on this to a little bit, uh, having some experience with a, a planter that actually went out to the PTI farm and kind of uh, pulling that out and getting that ready to go to the field. Sometimes in Tremont, interesting things can grow in our water. Uh, and so... Um, I in, don't believe Tremont would be alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people can maybe fill in the blank on the town that they live in. But um, point being that there has probably been, if there's anything that's been left in the tank, we need to make sure that any kind of growth or anything that could block the flow of product has been completely and thoroughly scrubbed out of the tank. And that may take a little bit more than just a garden hose rinse. So I think that was a big thing for me too. And then I think despite our best efforts, sometimes there can be things that block lines like, like, like salt out or fertilizer salt and things like of that nature. I think this is just a good reminder to make sure that the system is thoroughly flushed that there are things that are smaller than the hose along the way, uh, like orifices and check valves. Um, and anything that can gum those up or stick to those is obviously going to stop the flow of product, right? Or stop the seed drop if we want to keep the analogy going. So and I think, so I think your key point on there is that in your flushing the system out, making sure everything's good to go before you go to the field. But your aspect is, is then working from a large orifice plate, like your, the tank itself working through the pump and then kind of working your way all the way out through the system. Don't leave everything connected when you flush the system out. Disconnect it backwards as much as possible. Pull your liquid lines out. Pull your orifice plates out. Pull all that, the, the, the small critical stuff out before you actually run that flush. Build it back piece by piece. Right. right so that you're actually it. getting your big, if you have stuff that's stuck in there, you can flush that out ahead of time before you get to your small stuff and plug up something. I'm thinking of a check valve body. On a, on a fertilizer application that's down on the rail. I'm going to go in and I'm going to pull the little diaphragm and the orifice plate out, put the connector back on. Yeah, it's probably going to leak a little bit. It's fine. You're just pushing water through it. I, I just want to open a path as possible 
if I've got a distributor, diaphragm, anything, I want to open it up as wide as possible and just flush, agitate the lines and clean as much out ahead of time before I'm trying to do any metering, get all the chunks and the, and the goodies out. Yep. I mean, it's a whole lot easier to pull something out before it's plugged and plug it and then try to try to clean it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I've been there from experience on that one. So. <laughs> And you talked about and maintenance on insecticide systems or, or dry systems. There's not a ton from winterization coming over, but again, you're still dealing with, if you're doing a, a dry fertilizer system, there's a lot of rust and corrosion that occur with it. So you've got a lot to try and make sure that everything's still free when you pull it back out of winter. That's, That's a a, kind of a key key thing to make sure everything, you're not dealing with chunks of stuff necessarily, but you're still dealing with, with free moving pieces in that aren't plugged up. Yeah, this would a great symptom of this would be, I get out and I do my first field check or I'll do the first five acres of a field and then the insecticide's not applicating because I've got a nice tight bridge right over the meter because of where it settled. And yes, that meter starting to move broke a little bit free, but you know, I need that agitation to, to, to actually get it to move, get things freed up. Yep. Any other notes to kind of wrap up uh, or any follow-up pieces that we want to cover for planter maintenance that we haven't covered or that you feel are specifically important in tying up, putting a bow on it? I'm feeling pretty good about that. I think we've uh, I think we've laid a lot of uh, groundwork in in previous episodes too to kind of lead up to this or give the thought process behind you know like we've talked about anything that affects kind of the seeding or the seed drop system. Uh, we can carry over that same logic. I think it's good. I really think it's good. And I think overall, when you think about maintenance, the whole goal of maintenance is to make sure that what you set up on your system and what you designed to run is going to do what you told it to, not what is limited by a maintenance issue. So I think with that, we will cap this eight-part series that could be consumed as needed. Uh, repeat previous year, next year, we can go through and capture this. Um, really enjoying the way we went about that and the fact that we were able to avoid the getting into the numbers of the specific clearances or adjustments needed and really focus on why it's important to help motivate and move towards the correct things. I think all the recommendations exist and are readily available. If not, get a hold of us. We'll help you get the right direction. And from there, I'd like to say thanks. Please subscribe to us on your local or preferred podcast feed. We look forward to having you back again next time for another episode of Smarter Every Season.